Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Impeachment and Other Charades Committee, has announced a change of rules in the proceedings. After Friday's hearing at which Congresswoman Elise Stefanik gutted several of Schiff's witnesses and challenged Schiff's rulings so that Schiff's eyes swelled up until he looked like Jim Carrey in the clock scene from The Mask. Yeah, after that, Schiff checked his copy of Robert's Rules of Orders and found that in technical parliamentary terms, he had been, quote, beaten up by a girl or owned like a bitch, unquote, and felt the committee needed a new direction to prevent that from happening again. Schiff announced that from now on, all hearings will be held in the treehouse in his backyard and no girls will be allowed. In the event a girl bakes brownies, said girl will be allowed to push a plate of said brownies up through the treehouse trap door and then run away before anyone catches her cooties. In future hearings, Schiff will wear the paper king hat he got in a popper at last year's congressional Christmas party, and when he walks into the room, everyone will have to bow down to him and say, oh, King Schiff, you are so great, and everyone loves you so much, and make kissing noises as he walks by, and no laughing or making faces after he's gone like last time. In previous hearings, committee members were allowed to raise points of order to question rules violations, but from now on, any Republican who raises a point of order will be called a poophead and will have to wear a sign saying, I am a poophead for the rest of his life. Finally, at the end of the hearing, everyone will applaud and say what a good hearing it was, thanks to King Adam Schiff, and then make more kissing noises. The next hearing is scheduled to take place in Adam Schiff's imagination, just like Trump's impeachable offenses. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I'm the hunky dunky. Life is tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Ship shaped, ipsy topsy. The world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! So, speaking of these impeachment hearings, Fox News interviewer Chris Wallace made a truly disturbing comment after Friday's impeachment. Uh, Kabuki, former Ukrainian ambassador Marie Ivanovich, had been testifying how she felt her tenure was ended by a White House whispering campaign against her. Here was Wallace's comment. I think that if you are not moved, and we'll have to wait and see what happens in the cross-examination, but if you are not moved by the testimony of Marie Ivanovich today, you don't have a pulse. So what bothered me about this is that Wallace, a respected journalist, seemed to be submerging himself in the Democrat idea that these hearings are essentially a show or a movie, a story that will change voters' minds as stories change minds with appealing characters and emotional moments governing where our sympathies lie. We know the Democrats are counting on this because before Yovanovitch's public testimony on the Democrat program Meet the Press, a correspondent from the Democrat program PBS NewsHour said, quote, I will say the Democrats are very focused on how to tell the story this week. And I'm told from Democrat aides that they wanted Marie Yovanovitch there because I'm told she cried in her testimony. This is her testimony behind closed doors. And they essentially want someone who's going to be emotional to say I was a victim of the president, unquote. Now, there's nothing unexpected about scurvy Democrat politicians who take our money and do absolutely nothing in return, staging what is essentially a campaign event paid for with public funds. That's who they be. That's how they do. But there's something absolutely irresponsible about a journalist of Wallace's stature essentially judging them by their own standards, reviewing their movie, as it were, instead of reporting the facts. 
After all, the Democrats are trying to impeach a duly elected president and have been hinting at doing that literally since before he was even elected. It's not a show. It's not a story. It's a political power play that endangers our votes and therefore our freedom. Who cares if you're moved, Chris? Really, who cares? Democrats play this game all the time. Their candidates dance and drink beer and skateboard and have dental work in public to show what great regular folks they are as if it were that and not their policies that mattered. Okay, it's cheap politics. That's fair enough. It's like kissing babies. But is it our journalist's job to watch them kiss babies and then report on how cute it is? I don't think so. This is not showbiz. This is real life. We're not an audience. We're voters. Show some respect for us and for you, for the job you're supposed to be doing. Stand above the Democrats' storytelling and give us the news. Chris Wallace made his comment before Yovanovitch's cross-examination by Republican Chris Stewart of Utah. Stewart asked Yovanovitch if she had any information regarding criminal activity by the president. She said no. Next witness, hold the tears. We're going to be talking about a lot of this. We're also going to be talking about these new uh, alt-right guys who are trying to break into the movement and something that happened at YAF, our friends at YAF. Uh, But first, let's talk about NetSuite. You know, as you look at me, I know you're so dazzled by just the sight of me and my physical beauty. I understand that. But you have to remember that I'm also a business. I sell my goods. I sell them to the Daily Wire. I sell them to publishers. I sell Uh, everything. And I've got to keep track of what's going on. I've got to keep track of the numbers in my business. And what keeps growing businesses from knowing their numbers is the hodgepodge of business systems. That's where NetSuite comes in handy. NetSuite by Oracle is a business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Clavin. That's netsuite.com slash Clavin to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, NetSuite dot com slash Clavin. The first thing you know, first key strategy is you know is how do you spell Clavin? There are no E's in Clavin. <laughs> there are no E's in Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. My son was at a dinner in Chicago somewhere, and they at his place it said K-L-A-V-E-N. At the end of No Safe Spaces, this wonderful documentary by our pals uh, over at Madison McQueen, <clears throat> they thanked me in the long credits at the end, and they spelled my name K-L-A-V-E-N. That will not... <laughs> that will not get you your free strategy guide from NetSuite. Uh, Another Kingdom is out today for everybody, the new uh, the new version of that. And, you know, also, just so you know, Christmas is coming up and I thought it would be nice. I, a lot of people asked me to put out uh, transcripts of my speeches. And so what I did was I put out uh, three of the major speeches I made this year, plus a major article I wrote uh, for City Journal, because I thought all of them together provided an argument for the way I think we should be uh, addressing the culture, especially a culture of faith uh, that I think is lacking in our society. And so you might, it's just a small book. I cheaped it as absolutely as, uh, I priced it as cheaply as I possibly could, but I thought you might want to put it in your liberal uncle's uh, stocking for Christmas. It's called The Art of Making Sense. So go on Amazon and uh, search Claven, K-L-A-V-A-N, <laughs> and then search the art of making sense. And I think on Kindle, uh, it's three bucks. And as a paperback, it's four bucks. It's just a small uh, book, but it is a good uh, stocking stuffer, especially for any liberals that you want to blow, the, whose heads you want to blow up. Uh, also, 
One more personal note. Jenna Ellis Reeves was appointed senior legal advisor of the Trump campaign. We're so proud of her. Uh, She has been obviously a constant guest on this show, Jenna Ellis. And then as Jenna Ellis Reeves, after she got married, she is now working directly for the Trump campaign. She sent me these wonderful pictures of her on Air Force One uh, with the president himself. I just would like to remind you that before you saw them anywhere else, you saw Jordan Peterson, Jenna Candace Owens, and even Michael Knowles on this show. I know how to pick them. I really do know how to pick them. And so we're really proud that she has gone on to now be, uh, you know, part of the horrible tyranny that is destroying our country. So let me talk about this thing, the fire on the right, these clowns on the right, uh, the alt-righters. They now call themselves American First Nationalists. Um, and, and they, you know, I'm gonna, uh, for a while I wasn't going to mention his name. This guy, Nick Fuentes, he has a YouTube show, and he goes on and he says these outrageous things. And I'll talk about him in a minute. But Michelle Malkin, a, a, a mainstream conservative, I've never met Michelle. I was rode in an elevator once. And I was too shy to introduce myself. But Michelle Malkin went on and she started to say, I'm not going to disavow Nick Fuentes. I'm not going to disavow the Proud Boys who, you know, another guy I know, you know, uh, Gavin, he runs the Proud Boys. And they, these are not, the Proud Boys are not uh, white nationalists. They're just guys. They won't allow women in. But they have done some street brawling. Two of them, I think, just got convicted of street brawling. And you say, yes, well, they're fighting Antifa and they are also street brawlers. And that's true. But, you know, guess what? It doesn't matter which street brawler wins because the street brawlers are always essentially fascist. Uh, That is a fascist way of producing your, of putting forward your political ideas. So Yaf, our friends at uh, at Yaf, who arrange a lot of our speeches, Michael's speeches and my speeches, um, they they said they were not going to handle uh, Michelle anymore. And a lot of people started complaining. I'm going to be tomorrow. I'm going to be at Central, the University of Central Florida, giving a speech uh, with for Yaf and with Yaf. And and they canceled her. And a lot of people started on the right, started screaming about this, saying, um, you know, this is censorship. This is deplatforming. This is what the left does. But that's simply untrue. I mean, that's, let's begin with this. It's simply untrue that this is censorship in any way. YAF is a, an organization that puts forward and subsidizes and arranges for conservative voices to speak. And we have a lot of different conservative voices. You have uh, Ben, who's a kind of, uh, you know, mainstream uh, social conservative. Uh, you have Knowles, who's obviously a Catholic fascist. <laughs> you have me, who is more on the libertarian side, with a, who believes in separating cultural questions into the cultural realm and politically uh, being allowing as much freedom as humanly possible. Uh, and, and we have different points of view, but none of us is is a racist. Not one of us is a racist. Uh, and, and that's the thing that, that Yaf is talking about. They're saying that's not part of conservatism, racism, anti-Semitism, not part of conservatism. If they were a Christian group sending out Christian speakers and one of them turned out to be a Buddhist, they might say, hey, you know, we don't object to that, but that's not what we're sending out. If they were a Christian uh, agency and they were sending out and they sent out somebody and they found out he was a Satanist, they might say, no, we oppose that and we don't want you as one of our speakers. So when Michelle Malkin signed on uh, to Fuentes, a guy who has denied the Holocaust on his YouTube show. Uh, he has made despicable remarks about Jews on on his YouTube show. YouTube show. He, the kid is like 21, so he doesn't even know. He hasn't even got a fully formed brain yet, which doesn't happen until you're like 25. Uh, and and he has said uh, things about blacks that they you know they they should stop complaining about segregation. <laughs> it wasn't so bad. I'm laughing because that's such a stupid thing to say uh, and such an anti. You know they're all so big with their Christianity. It's such an unChristian thing to say. If you can imagine uh, the golden rule, if you would like to have to explain to your child why he can't 
use a bathroom, why he can't use a water fountain that everybody else is using. Uh, and then you can imagine what that's like for somebody else. And you do unto others as you do unto them. Now, the thing is, these guys, these um, the, these alt-righters or America Firsters, they've developed this strategy of basically saying that they're not for what we think they're for. So Fuentes himself says, no, I do believe there's a Holocaust. I'm just trolling everybody. I don't hate anybody. I'm not looking for a white ethno nation. I'm just trying to get uh, shock. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to shock people so I can get a bigger audience. But you know, <laughs> that doesn't really wash. It really doesn't wash. I mean, those are things, when you uh, use racial slurs against Jewish people, uh, when you say stupid things like this about something that is, you know, it's a cause of, it's a cause of, of harm and division in our uh, country, the way that black people were treated, they were badly treated. I, I, I maintain that now that institutional racism is gone. You're always going to run into individual racism, but that institutional racism, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. It's not it's it's not funny. Uh, and, and you're doing something wrong. And a, an organization like YAF, which is trying so hard to overcome the left's brutal and authoritarian and sometimes violent resistance to conservative thought doesn't want to be tainted with that. It doesn't want to be tainted with that. And neither do I, and neither does Ben, and neither does Knowles. None of us wants to be tainted by this racism and anti-Semitism because we despise it. It's not, it's not that, you know, I, I personally, I don't hate these people. I, I can't bring myself to hate it. I know that a 21-year-old can be dangerous, uh, but I, I still can't bring myself to hate somebody uh, for saying this. I just hate what they're saying. I hate what they're saying. Uh, it's it's against my God. It's against the image of God that I love so much and other people. Uh, and, and it just is uh, destructive to uh, the thing that I'm trying to defend, which is your freedom, uh, all of our freedom. And the, the thing that is kind of ironic about this, and by the, way, by the way, when it comes to all this white stuff and how great white people are and how bad gay people are and all this stuff, one advantage I have over all these people is I lived in that world. Okay, I lived in that world in the 60s when you walked into a bank and there were tellers in a bank and they were all white uh, when you really didn't see a black person in any of the restaurants that you ate in and gay people could be arrested. A cop could walk into a gay bar and wait for somebody to make a pass at him and then just arrest him for being gay. I lived in that world. Okay, I saw it. And, you know, all the stuff about it's looking like uh, life with father or father knows best or the leave it to beaver show. That's not true. Okay, it was it, it, the world is better now. The world has problems now, like it had then. It has problems now, like it had then. But it's better. So, for instance, it's wrong. It's terribly wrong for gay people to go and run somebody out of business because he disagrees with them or doesn't want to support their wedding. That's a horrible, horrible thing. But it's better that a, a young gay man doesn't have to walk into a bar and worry uh, if he tries to have a, a romantic life that he's going to get arrested for it. That's, that's a better thing. It's better to walk into a restaurant and see everybody there as Americans, as people who believe in the Constitution and the, and the uh, ideals enshrined in the Declaration. It, of course it creates problems. Of course it creates problems when we're all in it together. But as long as these people can sign on to the American idea, as long as they can sign on to the American idea, it's better to have us all together because that's how the American idea spreads. That's how we sell it. That's how we push it out there. We can't go in with armies. We're not doing that anymore. We're not going to go in and conquer places and say you have to live by the American idea. What we do is we sell it 
basically through love by the fact that you come in and it's great. It's great. It's great to not have to wear a burqa. It's great to be able to say what you want to say. It's great to be able uh, to, to eat where you want to eat and live the way you want to live and build the business you want to live. Those are great things. And if we can show that to the world, how great they are for everybody, we spread them. If we don't believe in that, if we, don't, if we believe this is something we have to hold to ourselves and cling to ourselves, then the idea isn't worth anything. The idea is not worth anything. The world as it is, is better. I was there. It is better this way. All right. Now, here's the thing about free speech. I am utterly for it. YouTube should never take down these these alt writers. It is it's offensive to me that they don't take uh, Nick Fuentes down when he's insulted, claiming the Holocaust doesn't exist. They don't take him down, but they make Dennis Prager can't get his videos into colleges because and and they they just lie so out you know outright. They restrict his videos and, and he had a video about the Ten Commandments. And they said they asked them in Congress why'd you restrict that video? They said well it mentioned murder. And Dennis said, well, how about the Nine Commandments? How would that be? I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd. They're simply trying to keep reasonable right-wingers from speaking because they don't want to hear how reasonable Dennis is and how reasonable I am and how reasonable Ben is. They don't want you to hear that, but they're perfectly happy to let you hear these hate-filled guys make slurs because then you say, oh, that's what the right is. I don't have to listen to him. Now, listen, there's, there's an irony here that I think the right has to understand. Here's the irony. I go and make a speech. And they take stuff that I said out of context, jokes that I made, questions that I've asked, and they make it sound like I'm hateful. They especially like to make it sound as if I'm hateful toward uh, Muslim people. Because I've questioned the ideas of Muslim people. I've questioned the tenets of Islam, some of the tenets of some kinds of Islam, and whether they contribute to violence in the Islamic world, which is endemic. Okay. I've questioned the ideas of Catholics about sex, uh, whether those contribute to the scandal in the church. I've disagreed with my evangelical friends about their attitudes towards sexuality. I've questioned all those things. Nobody has ever called me evangelical phobic. Nobody's called me Catholic phobic. I love those people. But you get called Islamic Islamophobic and they take it out of context and they make you sound hateful. So when Nick Fuentes says, which is essentially what he said, oh, you took like three minutes or 30 seconds out of my three-hour podcast in which I made some joke about black people in water fountains, and you take it out of context, he's making the same statement that I'm making. The only difference is he's wrong, (laughs) and I'm right. And that's a hard argument to make, right? That is a hard, hard argument to make. So I'm not again, I'm not for censoring him. I am for Yaf having the absolute right not to support them, not to pay for him, not to subsidize speeches that support him. But but what I am for is for all of us to be able to speak. Free speech is not shouting people down. Free speech is not trolling them out of existence so they can't say what they have to say. Free speech is speaking and listening. Free speech is letting other people speak, just like all freedom. Freedom is both letting the other person be free and letting and, and being free yourself. So this, this division on the right is, is really upsetting to me because I feel that we're the good guys. I feel that the people defending freedom, the people on the left are not defending freedom. As I always say, the crazy people on the right are guys on YouTube, guys in the comment section of Breitbart. Those are, the, those are the crazy people on the right. The crazy people on the left are Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, 
Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff. They're the most powerful Democrats in the country who are putting forward a socialist vision, a vision for takeover of health care, government takeover of health care, which is bad everywhere. It's always bad. A vision of corporations as evil. And I just love that about corporations being evil. I love the kids following Bernie around with their iPhones and on Google, you know, and with their lattes from Starbucks going, yeah, yeah, isn't it Bernie great about how bad corporations are? It's it's just it is just offensive to me. It is offensive to me that we can be tarred by connecting us to these far right wingers. But nobody, nobody tars Bernie Sanders for being a far left winger. And, you know, it's especially bad right now when I'm watching the guys in Hong Kong. That's blowing up. I'm watching in uh, Iran. There are now protests, violent, some violent protests in Iran. Uh, People got upset because the uh, gas prices went up. These are people fighting for freedom in Hong Kong. These are people, look, you never know in the Middle East whether the people who are revolting against oppression are revolting in favor of a different kind of oppression. You never know. But you got to support them if they're fighting tyranny. And these are the same guys who rebelled during Obama and Obama left them, let them twist in the wind because he wanted to make that deal with Iran, right? And I think what happened is all that energy got pent up because Obama would not help them. And now they're back again. And hopefully Trump will say something in support of them. But when you look at these guys being shot at by the police in Hong Kong, when you look at like women taking off their burqa in Iran and risking their lives, it's offensive. It's offensive to shout people down in America. It's offensive to say you're oppressed in America. It's offensive to say America is racist. It's offensive to say it's sexist. It's offensive to say something you're being held back because you're a woman. All this and or the corporations are oppressing you, all this stuff. It's it's offensive because it's not happening. This is still an amazing free country. And the same th- so the same thing I say to these alt writers that I was there, this world is better. I say to these left wingers, uh, right? You know, in th- these left wingers, look around you. This is better. Look around at Hong Kong and stop shouting at people and, and calling them names and condemning people and trying to silence them. It is really time. We really have to start treating each other with respect as if we were in a great country that's, go- that's doing quite well. And this is true in these impeachment hearings as well. You know, you know who was saying this? I mean, I, I don't trust him, but Barack Obama said this. He came out. He came out with this statement talking to the candidates, the Democrat candidates. Here's what he said: Even as we push the envelope and we are uh, bold in our vision, we also have to be rooted in reality and the fact that voters, including Democratic voters, and certainly persuadable independents or even moderate Republicans uh, are not driven by the same views that are reflected on certain, uh, you know, left-leaning Twitter feeds uh, or the activist wing of our, of our party. This is still a country that uh, is is less revolutionary than it is interested in improvement. They like seeing things improve, but the average American doesn't think that we have to completely tear down the system and remake it. And and I think it's important for us not, not to lose sight of that. 
This is the guy who's going to fundamentally transform America, and what he's telling them is to lie, really. I mean, let's be honest. What Obama's saying to them is, yeah, you can do all that stuff once you get in office, but you've got to lie to get people to vote. And the reason people in this country aren't revolutionary is because they look around and they see that things are good. And that's why, that's why all of this stuff, all of this radical um, uh, attacks on our system are so, they're, they're so offensive because this is a revolution. This is the revolution. America is the revolution. The fact that the government can't tell you what to say, can't shut you down. That's a revolution. That's the difference. It's not true anywhere else. It really isn't. I know you think, well, oh, in England, it's, it's much better. But in England, you know, when you, if you come out and you say that a man is not a woman, the police can come to your house. Here, it's starting to be where you can lose your social media, you can get fired. That's offensive. The revolution is the freedom. The freedom is the revolution. And that's why when I watch, that's why I have, find it so hard to talk about this impeachment. I wrote a column about this uh, in the Daily Wire over the weekend. But even talking about this impeachment elevates it above the level of the absurdity it is. This is an absurdity. And every time I see the Never Trumpers, they I love the guys. I know them. Uh, you know, I think they're terrific people. But every time I see them kind of parsing, well, did Donald Trump do this? Did Donald Trump? I just think, who cares? If they, if they think that Donald Trump is doing the wrong thing in Ukraine or anywhere else, let him Beat, let them beat him at the polls. Let them go out and beat him. There's never been a president impeached in his first term because you always had the appeal up to the populace to make. The first appeal you make is to the voters. And then if you think, oh, this guy's really a criminal, maybe you get rid of him. So they bring on this woman, Marie Ivanovich. And the thing that really bothers me about this is... I don't know Marie Ivanovich from Eve, right? I don't know who she is. She was the ambassador to Ukraine. Who cares? She, she's, she comes on. And yeah, is she a, a presentable person? Was her, were her feelings hurt when Trump criticized her? Did she feel that she was unfairly kicked out of her uh, job? by? Uh, she feels that there was a whispering campaign against her because she wouldn't uh, help Rudy Giuliani investigate Hunter Biden or whatever. You know, that that's the way she feels about it. But Chuck Stewart as I mentioned, had this exchange with her, and this was the exchange. Madam Ambassador, as, as you see it here before us, very simply and directly, do you have any information regarding the President of the United States accepting any bribes? No. Do you have any information regarding any criminal activity that the President of the United States has been involved with at all? No. That's it. That's the end of her testimony. I mean, that's what she was there. That's what she was there to say. That's what she was there to talk about. Whether this is an impeachment hearing, it's not a popularity comment. This is Chris Stewart. I, I, I called him Chuck Stewart. It's Chris Stewart uh, from Utah. This is an impeachment hearing. Did he do anything wrong? Did he commit high crimes and misdemeanors? If not, I don't care if her feelings were hurt. You know, I mean, Trump... Trump can be a blunderbuss. We all know this. He can he can uh, bloviate. He can be insulting. While she's talking, he sent out a tweet. While she's testifying, she sent out a tweet. Everywhere Marie Ivanovich went turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Then fast forward to Ukraine, where the new Ukrainian president spoke unfavorably about her in my second phone call with him. It is a U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. So Schiff, I mean, Schiff, you got to say one thing about Schiff. He's a snake. He's a wily serpent. You know, he knows what he's doing. He gets this tweet from Trump and he reads it in the meeting to uh, Marie Ivanovich. And now the president in real time is attacking you. What effect do you think that has on other witnesses' willingness to come forward and expose wrongdoing? 
Well, uh, it's very intimidating. It's designed to intimidate, is it not? I, I mean, I can't speak to what the president is trying to do, but I think the effect is to be intimidating. Well, I want to let you know, Ambassador, that some of us here take witness intimidation very, very seriously. So, you know, Schiff, Schiff knows what he's doing. He's using this to his advantage. But if he hadn't read it to her, she wouldn't have been intimidated. She didn't know what was happening. And, and you know, when he asks her these questions, she's playing into this. She's unhappy. She lost her job. I get all that. But who cares? This is your money. This is your money that you worked with. You went to work today and you earned that money. They took it to stage this show. And that's all it is. She answered the question, is any criminal proceeding? Are there high crimes or misdemeanor? Do you know anything that he did that was illegal? No and no End of testimony, as far as I'm concerned. And, the, and then you watch Schiff at work. I mean, this is this Elise uh, Stepanek uh, thing. She's, she's from New York, I believe it is. Um, and she, she tries to ask questions. Devin Nunes had, had his time for asking questions, and he ceded it. He yielded it to, to her. And so she tries to ask questions, and Schiff put in the no girls allowed rule. I mean, it's right there on the treehouse door. So she should have known it. Here's cut number five. To you, Ms. Stepanek. Thank you, Mr. Nunez. Ambassador Yovanovitch, thank you for being here today. The gentlewoman will suspend. What is the interruption for this time? It is our time. The gentlewoman will suspend. You're not recognized. Mr. Nunez, you are minority counsel. I just recognized. Under the House Resolution 660, you are not allowed to yield time except to minority counsel. The ranking member yielded time to another member of Congress. That is not accurate. You're gagging the young lady from New York. Ambassador Yovanovitch, I want to thank you for being here today. gentlewoman will suspend. You're not recognized. This uh, is the fifth time you have interrupted members of Congress, newly elected members of Congress. The woman will suspend. Uh, Mr. Chair, we, we control the time. Uh, it's been customary of this committee that whoever controls the time uh, can yield to whoever they wish. If we have members of Congress that have a few questions, it seems appropriate that we be able to let Ms. Stefanik uh, ask her questions. Ms. Nunez, you or Minority Council recognized? All right. Mr. Cassier, you're recognized. I got to play one more clip of just Jim Jordan trying to raise a point of order. Now, a point of order in the parliament, parliamentary procedure means that the rules are being broken. Something is not being done correctly. And usually you are recognized for a point of order automatically because it's not part of your time. It's not part of the questions. Uh, here is Nunez and Jim Jordan trying to get in a point of order. With President Zelensky. And with that, I yield back the balance of my time. Mr. Chairman, I have a parliamentary inquiry. Um, the gentleman is not recognized. I do want to comment. Uh, and Mr. Allow- Chairman, I have a point of order under HRES 660. The gentleman will state her point of order. Uh, the point of order is, will the chairman continue to prohibit witnesses from answering Republican questions as you've done in closed hearings and as you did this week when you interrupted proper, our questions? That is not a proper point of order. The gentleman will, will suspend. Mr. Speaker, I have a, I do, Mr. Chairman, I have a uh, yeah. The gentleman is not recognized. Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. The gentleman is not recognized. I have a point of order, though. The gentleman is not recognized. I do want to respond. I allowed the I ranking member to. a point of order. I, the gentleman is not recognized. Mr. Chairman, allowed, there are four transcripts that have not been released. The gentleman is not recognized. Shut up, just oh, shut ranking up, member. Shut up, just shut up, shut up. <laughs> 
mean, really, he should wear one of those. You know, at Christmas in the poppers, they give you those little paper crown hats. He should wear one of these. Once again, I just want to emphasize, I just want to emphasize, we have our loons on the right. There is no philosophy. There is no philosophy that contain that can contain the sinfulness of the human heart. None. There's any philosophy can be corrupted by the human heart and any philosophy can be uh, purified by the human heart. We're going to have our nuts on the right. But our nuts, so help me, they keep yelling about Fox News this and Fox. Our night nuts are on YouTube. Our nuts are, you know, on in comment sections. Their nuts, that's Adam Schiff. That guy is the head of a committee who will not let anybody talk or ask questions because it might ruin the show that Chris Wallace is so moved by. That's what it is. I mean, that is what it is. It is a... a uh, I don't want to say a conspiracy, but it is two uh, institutions working in conjunction. The news, which now perceives itself as show business, and the Democrats who are putting on a show of impeachment. And that's the problem. The problem is, yes, do I separate myself from Nick Fuentes? Yes. Do I condemn racism? Yes. Do I condemn anti-Semitism? Absolutely. Absolutely. But those guys are little twerps with no audience trying to piggyback on the popularity of more mainstream conservatives. These guys are in Congress. These guys are running for president. It is a big, big difference. Hey, we're going to talk some more about this uh, with Sebastian Gorka. He is coming up. I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come to dailywire.com and subscribe. It's only a lousy 10 bucks a month, a lousy 100 bucks for the year. You get another kingdom early. You get the absolutely unique and handcrafted uh, by virgins, leftist tears, uh, Tumblr. <laughs> every time every time I mention virgins in LA, I just crack up. But you know, I'm lying, but you know what I mean. It's a, it's a great thing. Plus you get the new app and you can talk to us, ask us anything. Come over to dailywire.com. All right, let's talk to Sebastian Gorka about some of this. He is a military and intelligence analyst, a former deputy assistant to President Trump. He is now the host of America First on the Salem Radio Network. If you're not listening to it, you should. It is really entertaining. It's Monday uh, through Friday at 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, his new book, which I have read, and I think they even put my blurb on this, is The War for America's Soul. It's out now. Seb, it's good to see you. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me, Drew. Always fun. And yes, your blurb is in the War for America's Soul. There it is. It's, uh, you know, it, it is a really good. I mean, one of the things that I always love about you, Sebastian, is you are a an unapologetic supporter of this administration and you always make your argument well. And so I want to ask you, I, I like to press you on these things. I'm watching this impeachment. And at this point, these uh, the Democrats have now succeeded me, succeeded in making me a complete Trump supporter. I mean, <laughs> I always had my doubts about him, but now <laughs> we have one. We have one thing to thank the Democrats for. One thing. <laughs> it, I mean, it's amazing to me what they're doing. Trump, in the middle of Marie Ivanovich's um, testimony, he tweets out that attack on her. Now you know what you already know. What I'm going to ask you is that yes. helping his cause? Is that helping his cause or hurting it? I, I have to give full credit in my answer to a colleague of mine because he enlightened me and that was Hugh Hewitt. Hugh oh, yeah. Hewitt and I shared, shared a stage in the Silicon Valley uh, this weekend and he nailed it. He said, this is a man who runs the Nixon library, worked in the Reagan administration, worked as a researcher for former President Nixon and he said, what the president did was absolutely necessary. Why? Because 
Nixon didn't have what the president has today, which is the social media funnel. Um, they're coming after him to remove him from office. Because remember, Drew, uh, impeachment is the second greatest power Congress has after uh, invoking the War Powers Act. So declaring war, number one, removing a sitting elected president from office is number two. You have to control the narrative. And the president's tweet was utter genius. They're bringing in people, Colonel Sasha Vindman, uh, um, uh, this ambas ambassador after ambassador, uh, Mary um, Jovanovic, who illegally monitored co conservatives, myself included, Sean Hannity, uh, John Solomon, Sarah Carter, as Obama's ambassador to the Ukraine. And, and what tools does he have? If you read the seven-page resolution Nancy brought for this impeachment, A, it doesn't mention a crime, Drew. No crime is mentioned. And number two, for the first time in the history of our republic, all the power is given to the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. Not the Judiciary Committee, the Intelligence Committee. And it says in there, explicit, it says Adam Schiff does not have to allow the president's counsel into chambers. This is, this is Stalinist. This is East German. So the idea that a, an ambassador has issues with the president's foreign policy, and this is the grounds for impeachment, the president has to tweet. He has to tweet every single day to fight back and control the narrative because that's how he's going to defend the, the will of 63 million Americans who chose him as their president. It is, it is amazing to me. I mean, I had a cut from David Brooks that I didn't play, of Brooks saying, basically, it's so wonderful to see these gray-haired, reassuring figures, and it's like the good people against the bad people. I mean, this is the way a guy at the New York Times now perceives of our politics. Chris Wallace saying he was moved. They are putting on a show, and you, I guess you can't say, on the one hand, it's a show, and on the other hand, Donald Trump can't appear in the show. Right. And also that you have to remember, this is a beautiful moment in terms of the MAGA agenda, because now the Democrats have actually demonstrated for us the deep state is real. Yeah. Th think about this. A, a colonel born in the Soviet Union called Vindman, who advised the Ukrainian government in Ukrainian as a serving U.S. colonel, testified on the Hill I did what I did after I heard, heard about the president's phone call with the Ukraine because I needed to, and this is a direct quote, I needed to defend the interagency consensus from the president. Drew, um, when I went to vote three years ago, I don't remember a box on the voting ballot saying interagency <laughs> consensus or Donald Trump. What is this interagency consensus of what you speak? Who does Colonel Vindman work for? Who does Ambassador Yovanovitch work for? The idea that the foreign policy establishment thinks they get to defend their version of foreign policy from the president, that's the definition of a coup, Drew. You know, it's funny, Marie Yovanovitch used that term too, the interagency consensus, and it did. It makes the hair on the back of my neck stand on end. I don't, I, right. I could care less about their agencies and their consensus. Talking to Sebastian Gorka, The War for America's Soul is his very uh, entertaining and interesting book and his take on all this. Now, now that we've talked about the crazies on the left, we have to pause for a minute and talk about the crazies on the right, because they're showing up at our speeches. Yeah. Uh, Yaf is just uh, banned, not banned, but uh, said they're not going to support Michelle Malkin anymore because she's right. standing up for Nick Fuentes. You had your run-in with these guys as well. I did. I did. Well, I, I had no idea who this person was. And then on Twitter, I saw this video 
long video of this punk, this 21-year-old nobody, making a joke using um, baking of cookies yeah. to say that six, you couldn't bake six million cookies in five years. It's a Holocaust denier. Mm. I found it so disturbing. I railed against this person for a week because I know Holocaust deniers exist, Drew, but I expect them to be old curmudgeonly guys in their 70s, not a 21-year-old American living in the freest nation on God's earth. And, and this is really a watershed moment for me because I have people around me. I, 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 I see people on social media saying, well, you've got to engage with these people. And my argument is no. Um, I don't want to ban people. I believe in the First Amendment, but I'm not going to give a scintilla of oxygen to people who deny one of the greatest crimes in modern history. And I'm definitely not going to give a platform with two million listeners. You know, my my radio, people say you should debate him on your radio show. Are you? Are you? You know, I'm not going to debate flat earthers, <laughs> Drew. I'm not going to be able to debate Holocaust deniers and or mental patients either. And for me, there's a kind of connection between those three groupings. But but this is a real problem because they're going after Charlie Kirk. They're going after the conservative movement. Um, and, and we have to find a way to deal with this that at the same time respects our founding respect for the principles of this republic. But, Drew, this is incredibly disturbing. It is. It is disturbing. It's interesting to me that they come to the same conclusions as the left. To me, they're, they're the same people. That, that yes. street brawling is a fair means of communication. That segregation right. is a good thing. They're both for segregation. You go to leftist universities and they have black dorms for all you right. know for all love. So I mean, uh, it is it is a, a way in which maybe there's some room for us to reach out to moderates on the left and just sort of say no. You know, we want to have an argument between ourselves as, as free Americans, uh, not like this. No, absolutely. Look, this um, it, it sounds trite, but there's a reason that the, the Nazi party was called the National Socialist yeah. German Workers' Party. If you actually know the history of the 1930s, you understand that, it, that fascism, the, the, the fasces of Italy, was founded by Mussolini, who was an ardent socialist. He was a hardcore leftist. And then he creates a branding for his leftism with, with, with the bundle of sticks that is the fasces of the Roman Empire. This was incredibly appealing to Hitler. And the reason Hitler hated the communists of the East is because he saw that as a competitor for his version of national socialism. <laughs> you know, the, the idea that there, that there are two extremes, left and right. Guys, it's a circle with the commies and the Nazis right next to each That's other exactly. on the edge of that circle. That is exactly right. Sebastian Gorka, the book is The War for America's Soul. It's always great to see you. Let me know next time you're in town. We'll have a cigar. Well, definitely. God bless you and your watches. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, final reflection. Um, I, I got to talk about this uh, Prince Andrew's interview about Jeffrey Epstein. I've been reading uh, about Epstein and uh, some of the things that he did on his in his fantasy world where he just enticed these, you know, a 14 year old girl is obviously she's not a little girl, but really you're responsible for her. You know, you, we adults have to take care of people uh, when they're that age. They can't think for themselves. They can't negotiate through uh, the halls of power. People with a lot of money uh, can control them, especially if they're girls without a lot of power. This is a horrible, horrible thing that was being done. So Prince Andrew, who was a friend of his, was visiting his New York place uh, several times. He went to a party that was held after where Epstein was the guest of honor after Epstein was convicted of 
of, uh, you know, sexually using young girls. And he's asked in this interview, I guess it's a BBC interview. He's asked in this interview why he continued going to his party and why he continued staying at his house. If there was a party, then I'd know nothing about that. You were invited to that dinner as a guest of honour. Well, I was there, so there was a dinner. I don't think it was quite as as you might put it, but yeah, okay. I was there for a I was there for a dinner. Yeah. I'm just trying to work this out because you said you went to break up the relationship, and yet you stayed at that New York mansion several days. I'm wondering how. Yeah, long but I was were... doing a number of other things while I was there. But you were staying at the house of yes. a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. It was a convenient. It was convenient because it was right next to the fourteen-year-old girls. So it was a convenient place to stay. He's been charged of having with by one girl. Uh, she says she had sex with him three times while she was underage. He denies it. But the thing about this is, you know, and everybody is making fun of this disastrous interview. But let us not forget, right? Let us not forget. ABC News spiked. We at least have this video of Amy Robach through Project Veritas, uh, the the anchor woman at ABC News, saying they spiked her research and her story on Jeffrey Epstein. That they spiked that because remember this was during the Clinton, uh, the Clinton, the Hillary Clinton campaign for president, and Bill Clinton was one of his big guests. And George Stephanopoulos, let's not forget this. George Stephanopoulos was a Clinton hack. He was a guy who intimidated women, who accused Bill Clinton of abusing them. George Stephanopoulos would call them up on the phone and tell them to keep it quiet. And we know he was doing this. Now we know he's at ABC and he was at that party too. He was at the Prince Andrew, Jeffrey Epstein party too. He was there. Uh, Katie Couric was there. You know, they, they've, they've, they fired the, they tried to fire the woman who leaked the Amy Robach tape. She was then working at CBS and she didn't do it. It turns out she didn't do it, but they thought she did. So CBS fired her for ABC. ABC is now in a witch hunt for the person who leaked this thing. I mean, you know, who else was at this party? Woody Allen was there. Woody Allen, who signed a petition to free Roman Polanski that was circulated by Harvey Weinstein. What I'm telling you is this thing is all of them. It is all of them. And it is our press. And our press is so corrupt. Matt Lauer was operating in NBC and suddenly they're shocked, shocked to find that he's pressing a button and locking the door and attacking a, a young woman until she fainted uh, and had to be brought, given medical attention. All of these guys, all of these guys are now telling us that our president is no good. We've got to get rid of our president. And what a wonderful show and how moved they are uh, by, you know, Marie Ivanovich's touching, touching testimony. And then they start insulting Elise Stefanik. You know, they call her trash. <laughs> this, this is like we are in a corrupt system. We're in a corrupt system. The news is being delivered to us by some of the most corrupt people in the country, people who abused women, abused their privileges, abused the, the people who didn't have power around them. And all I'm saying is we in the center have to stay clean. We have to stay away from these lunatics, both on the right and the left. And we have to defend the only thing that matters here, which is not Ukraine, not interagency consensus, but your freedom and mine. And we will do it. I'm leaving for to give a speech tomorrow at the University of Central Florida. I hope if you're around, you can be there. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. That and Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> oh, hooray, hooray. 
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Sayovitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, but you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune into the Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. <laughs> 